Now, a Harvard professor whose relationship with this country goes back to the 1960s when he came here as a volunteer for the Peace Corps has been carrying out a campaign to popularize the Shijo. This means a traditional three line poem of 43 to 45 syllables. And to hear more about what's so attractive about this, especially to Professor David McCann, we can welcome him now as this morning's person. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. So, in the past, you have suggested that Shijo is even a genre of Hallyu, referring to the Korean cultural wave, but it seems to be much less known than other elements of that. Can you perhaps explain a bit more about this form of poetry for those of us who are less aware? Sure. I mean, the, the Shijo is kind of a counterpart to the Japanese haiku, it's Korean language vernacular form. As the Japanese haiku is in Japanese.、Um, but it isn't or wasn't well known outside of Korea for, I think, quite a long time.、Um, the thing I find so fascinating about it is that, for one thing, you can sing it. And the people who have been trained in how to sing in the real traditional style have an incredible power to their voices. They go up and sit beside a waterfall to learn how to sing in a powerful,、uh, compelling way. And that just reminds me of, of these incredible Korean pop stars like Psy or, or, or others who really know how to perform out there on that global stage. And I, I think Shijo might find its place out there as well. You mentioned haiku. One of the big differences that you notice straight away with, with haiku is that、uh, Shijo are considerably longer than, than a haiku, but they are still on this three line pattern. Can you just go a little bit further into that difference? Sure. I mean, the, the haiku is just 17 syllables in that 575 pattern.、Um, in the United States, I've discovered over the years that third graders and on get introduced to the haiku and find it a very easy pattern to follow in counting the syllables and then writing something about nature.、Um, you are supposed to kind of keep yourself, your own thoughts, Or feelings outside, don't let them into a haiku. And, and so I think, in some ways, that makes it an easier thing to write. Because with the Shijo, one of the things is you have enough space, enough room to get your own thoughts in there and your own sort of view of the world. And that can be、um, something that's a little harder to manage. But I think in the short space of a Shijo, it's often something that the students who try it really enjoy.、Um, I understand that you had really taken this interest on after reading the poems of Kim So Wol. Can you tell us what was so inspiring about them? Well, when I was in Korea in the 1960s in the Peace Corps,、um, I discovered I was teaching at Agriculture and Forestry High School, Andong Nongrim Kodongakyo in Andong. And、um, one day in a bookstore, I found a little book. With a red cover, which in those days was very unusual since things red were sort of viewed with suspicion. But there it was, and I picked it off the shelf, and it was a collection of some poems by this poet I had not heard of, Kim So Wol. And there were the original poems in Korean on the left hand side of the book, and then on the right hand page were the very fine translations by Professor Kim Dong Sung. And so I thought, well, I could start. Reading the translations and try to work my way into the original poems to learn the language better. 
and I very quickly just got drawn into the poems. They were wonderful. And I found wherever I went and whoever I asked, people in Korea were delighted that I knew something about Korean poetry and this poet in particular, and they all had some ideas to help me understand him better. Well, we um, know that you've actually written your own book of Shijo poems in English called Urban Temple. Is it difficult to capture the same spirit in English? Um, I don't think it's difficult uh, with the writing. I mean, for me, I, I had taught for several years a course I called Writing Asian Poetry, where we took examples of classical Chinese poetry, and, and the students would write in that pattern, and then Japanese haiku, and then we'd get to Shijo. And they enjoyed them, but I never wrote Shijo in English until a couple of years of teaching the course. I, one day in a restaurant, uh, tried it out and liked it and spent the next year writing nothing but, but Shijo poems. Well, let me just give an example here of uh, Yun Sondo, who lived in the 16th and 17th centuries, um, just to give everybody a flavor of a, of a Shijo. Um, here we go. You ask how many friends I have, water and stone, bamboo and pine. The moon rising over the eastern hill is a joyful comrade. Besides these five companions, what other pleasure should I ask? Is there a particular characteristic? Is that typical of, of the Shijo that you enjoy? Uh, are there special philosophical meanings behind them? Well, there seem to be sort of Confucian notions of the world and, and how it's arranged in that poem, and, and they're rather beautifully expressed. What I like about that poem and about many other Korean Shijo are sort of the, the gestural features. You start out with somebody uh, sort of in an abstract way talking about what's out there in the world and then really looking out and thinking about it and then realizing I've got what I need it's right here and and for me the right here and I've got what I need is is the poem I think it works very well as a kind of very comfortable space to be in and one of the things that's also very encouraging about you is that you've been sharing your passion with others over there in the United States, so much so that you've actually been judging competitions involving young students who've been coming up with their own Shijo poems. And they really write amazing poems. There's middle schoolers and high schoolers uh, who enter the Sejong Cultural Society's annual contest for Shijo. Um, they're based out in Chicago. And I've been a judge and, and have seen the quality of the poems. I, I can still remember, I think it was in the second year of the contest, which is almost maybe 10 years ago now, when I finally got the list of the names of the young people who had written the poems, because those were all anonymous, mm. there was somebody named Michael Jung, who was, I think, a ninth grader, and he said, and he had gotten an honorable mention or tied for third, but he did well, and he said he was surprised when his older brother in high school brought home this description of the Shijo contest. He thought he'd give it a try, and he was delighted. He was so excited, he ran down to tell his grandmother that he'd won a prize in a Shijo contest, and she said to him, well, of course, you're a 16th generation descendant of the great Shijo poet Jung Chul. And wow. uh, so Michael Jung uh, had that connection, too. I was just thrilled. That really is a nice touch. Um, and speaking of uh, also some modern greats, the Korean poet So Jong-ju wrote to you, I understand, in a special letter. 
saying the relationship that you had with him gained uh, attention, to say the least here, because uh, can you tell us a bit more about your relationship, how it formed, how that affected you in, in terms of studying Korean literature? Well, I'm not sure exactly which letter that might be, because he sent several. He, he oh, really? visited us when we were in Ithaca. Um, I, I do remember, though, at a certain point, um, he I, I had translated three books of his poems, and he gave me a silver pen, and he had a big grin, and he said, here, use this to write your own poems. You've translated enough of mine. And I, I thought that was rather a nice <laughs> farewell from somebody, you know, who I've been translating, telling me to go and work on my own. But what were you referring to in the letter? Well, just the, the bond between you, the, the fact that you've made this impression, uh, it's the overarching impression that you have become a, a figure of prominence over here, all the way over there. Well, I just thought, you know, Sajong Ju's poems, uh, I thought were just beautiful, beautiful work in the Korean language. Their shape, the, the, the language, the way it unfolded across the poems. And I was just entranced by them for several years as I worked on translating them. And I think some of the way he looked out at the world and wrote about things in his life may have affected the way I write in my own poems. Mm. We spoke a lot about translating Korean literature with the success of Han Gang's The Vegetarian, and I, I know that's obviously moving outside of, of poetry, but are you very pleased that in the last few months we've seen uh, such prominence? Oh, it's amazing to me, because, um, you know, in the, in the old days, uh, there would be talk on kind of a Korean national level about who were the poets or the novelists who might be nominated for a you know, prize of some kind. Um, but these, the, also I, I think of Shin Gyeong-suk and her book, Please Look After Mom. Yes. Um, these are people whose work was translated and published overseas and, and had great, great success. And I just think that's a, a wonderful turn in the last five or ten years for Korean literature internationally, and I hope that continues. Well, we hope you can keep up your own translating efforts and coming up with your own original work, too. It's been a pleasure having you as this morning's person. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed the conversation. Likewise. Thank you. And I'm sure I speak on behalf of everyone. Listening there to Professor David McCann from Harvard University, this morning's person.